topics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Perseus Poku. On today's episode, we want to talk about the Bible as history. The Bible as history. And after a word from our sponsors, we'll get started on the topic today. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolf. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. As Christians, we automatically assume that the Bible it, uh, comes from God and it's God-breathed, uh, which is true because the Bible uh, internally attests to that. And we also see the Bible as credible, which it is, because we are naturally biased towards what we believe in. But objectively, it's still the case. The Bible is legitimate. It is God-breathed. It came from God who inspired the authors to write it down by the aid of the Holy Spirit. The Bible has been preserved, and we can answer the question in the affirmative. We do have what they wrote. We do have what, the, what they wrote. Um, there's a book called From God to Us by the late Dr. Norman Geisler, and it deals with how the Bible was com- uh, composed and how the books we have were canonized and why the so-called lost books of the Bible were never included. So it's important as believers that we understand that the Bible is not just a holy book, which it is. It's not just uh, God's word, which it is. It's not just the Old and New Testament, which they are, but it's also a historical document. Our Bible uh, is a collection of, of historical information that's been uh, compiled uh, through the canonization process, and it can be trusted. It can be trusted. So in this episode, I just wanted to highlight some of the reasons why we can embrace the word of truth outside of the New Testament, outside the Old Testament. Uh, Do we have information that can corroborate 
what the Bible talks about, and the answer is yes. Even outside of the Bible, we do have information that confirms and buttresses the statements or the record found in the Bible. So I just want to uh, start with one example uh, in terms of the Old Testament. There was some time where skeptics uh, often claimed that uh, David did not exist. That's an example, King David. And lo and behold, um, through the uh, Tal Dan Steli, um, they found an inscription on this steli. And uh, on the inscription, there was information talking about David. So the background is uh, this steli is considered to be the first historical evidence for the existence of King David outside of the Bible uh, that was found. The inscription uh, is in uh, Aramaic, uh, talks about an Aramaic king who claimed to have overtaken uh, the king of Israel and the king of the house of David. And it's that phrase, the king of the house of David, that talks about this battle and um, David being mentioned. So if David, King David, did not exist, then his name wouldn't be on his steli. If King David did not exist, then uh, he would write, it's just mythology. So we wouldn't find any evidence of um, David, uh, a living David being king, uh, David uh, being who he is and what he accomplished by the report of the Old Testament. So this outside evidence, this external evidence further corroborates the scriptures. We know David as king. We know that he was uh, king of Israel. So here the steli uh, written in Aramaic is buttressing the point or supporting the point that David actually existed. And the stella just to give you more information about this particular artifact, uh, it was constructed around 750 B.C. and written in Aramaic. Uh, it's the belief uh, from many scholars that the inscription speaks of Hazael of Damascus, uh, where he, Hazael, defeated Jehoram of Israel as well as um, Ahaziah of Judah. He defeated them. Uh, where Hazael lived from 9th through 8th century B.C., he is mentioned in 1 Kings 19 and 15, and he defeated them uh, at Rome of Gilead. And again, this steli is basically highlighting the victory of Hazael over um, Jerome of Israel and Ahaziah of Judah. And so in this um, commemoration of that victory, he talks about um, the king of Israel and the house of David. And so it's inferred, it's inferred that um, on the steli that David actually existed. And, uh, and through the uh, nation of Israel, they saw themselves as people from the house of David. So the king of the house of David is written on there, and the king of Israel is written on there as well. So there's uh, outside archaeological report that David actually existed. But we already know this as Christians. We believe it. But the question always arises, 
Um, do we have other evidence to support Bible claims? And that's just one of them. The next thing that I thought was interesting was the uh, civilization of the Hittites. Uh, for many years, scholars disputed if the Hittite civilization even existed. But the Bible talks about these individuals, especially in Genesis 23, where it records a group of people called the Hittites. And skeptics, again, denied, initially denied the existence of this group. Uh, but they are descendants, the Hittites. They are descendants of the second son of Canaan, uh, Genesis 10 and 15. Uh, and in 1834, a scholar Charles Texier found the ruins of the Hittites. Uh, they found tablets of Karum, K-A-R-U-M, which records the trade between Assyrian merchants and the land of Hittite, which is the land of the Hittite. So they found, again, this archaeological evidence that records a merchant trade between the Assyrians and a group called the Hittite or the Hittites. And there's numeral uh, archaeological evidence supporting the Hittite civilization. So here we go again. Uh, outside evidence, archaeological evidence, corroborating what the Bible has already told us about. And even, let me say this, something can still be true, even if you don't have immediate evidence for it. Something can still be true, even if you don't have immediate evidence for it. So uh, just because, as an example, a lot of skeptics uh, talk about, well, we haven't found uh, Noah's Ark. Just because you haven't found it does not mean that it doesn't exist. Something can still be true, even if you don't have immediate evidence for it. I give you an example of the uh, group called the Innocence Projects. And the Innocence Project, uh, these lawyers worked very hard um, at trying to uh, undo an injustice. There are many individuals that they've represented who were uh, accused of committing a crime, but later found through the help of the Innocence Project to have never committed the crime. And as a result, these uh, individuals have been vindicated. And what happened is, even in the beginning, many of them uh, attested to their innocence, which was true. But they didn't have immediate evidence. They didn't have good representation uh, to vindicate them. So they had to go through the process to eventually uh, be vindicated. And in some cases, number of years uh, have passed where they spent most of their life uh, falsely uh, incarcerated, only to be let go later because uh, new evidence came on the scene to prove that, prove that they never committed these crimes. What am I saying? What I'm saying is something can still be true, even if you don't have immediate evidence to support it. So our claim is that Noah's Ark, as an example, existed. Let us take a break to recognize our sponsors, and we'll be right back. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation.
No, we don't have it. Uh, we, we haven't unearthed it. Um, we haven't even uh, found the Ark of the Covenant. But we believe it's true. And it's still true. Even if we don't find the archaeological evidence, we know for certain that we can trust it because look at these other claims that the Bible have made. And lo and behold, we found evidence to support it. So even though there are things that we don't have in our grasp, we still believe it. We still believe it. And why do we believe it? Not because of us, but because of God. If God, who is true, said that these events happened, then we can trust that it happened. Uh, Unlike human beings, some human beings, we can't trust them. We can't depend on them. But God is trustworthy. And if he said uh, through the aid of the Holy Spirit that uh, the Ark of the Covenant was a part of Israel's history, then we know that it existed. If, if the Bible tells us that Noah had an ark, and through that ark God used to preserve and save them, then we can trust and believe that the ark existed. And numerous um, um, people have tried to find the ark. Uh, millions of dollars have gone toward this endeavor to try to find the ark. And whether or not they find it, it's irrelevant to me. I do believe uh, in the ark because I believe in God. And whatever God says is true and whatever goes against God's word has to be false. So let me give you another example as we take, take a look at the Bible as history. Uh, Sir William Ramsey, and he was born in the 19th century. Uh, he was a skeptic who wanted to know if the events in the book of Acts were accurate. It was his theory that the letter was written late So as a result, whenever a document is written late, uh, what historians would say is uh, it's hard to determine whether or not what they're saying is true because it's so late. In other words, uh, the later you write about an event, the more faulty memories become. It's not as crisp as when the events initially happened and the shorter time Uh, you write something about the event, meaning that when the event happens and you write about it, it's probably more accurate than if you wait 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 years later and someone writes about the event uh, because memories get faulty at times and and they're not as trustworthy as a shorter span of time. So historians, that's how they assess documents. Uh, What's the date of the document? How close um, to the original events are the documents. And in Christendom, meaning in Christianity, we'll, we'll talk about that. Uh, when you compare ancient manuscripts, Christianity has the earliest manuscripts as it relates to the actual events and the time that the letters were written in, uh, within uh, the acceptable time. We are close to the date of the actual event, so it's, it's more credible according to the criteria set by historians. So let's look at uh, Sir William Ramsey again. Uh, He was a skeptic, and he wasn't quite sure if the book of Acts written by Dr. Luke was as accurate as, as he or other people believe it to be. So he went on a quest, and he uh, wanted to know did Luke get the names right? Did Luke get the locations right? Did Luke get the officers right, meaning people in, uh, um, people in office? Did he get those names right? Uh, did he get the countries correct? 
And upon his research, he concluded uh, that the book of Acts is most certainly accurate. In the book of Acts, Luke accurately cited nine islands in the Mediterranean that, um, that, are, that are there, that could be proven to be correct, uh, according to Sir William Ramsey. And then he, he was able to cite 32 countries in the book of Acts, 32 countries, and he got them all correct. Uh, 54 cities, Dr. Luke got them all correct. And then, to me, this is the most impressive part about the book of Acts, he named 95 individuals. Uh, most of them are not found in any other book of the Bible. And Luke uh, most assuredly uh, wanted people to take a look at what he wrote and to verify it. And when he writes to Theophilus, that's the argument that he's making, uh, that he wanted to explain the details of Christ and the detail of the apostles more accurately, accurately to Theophilus. And so, we, uh, this Bible that we have is not a fairy tale. It's not like uh, Greek mythology. The Bible we have is historical and it can be trusted. And if we use the same methods used uh, for other ancient works, then we'll see that the Bible passed the test. But what happens a lot of times is uh, skeptics do not use the same method of verification and of uh, authentication that they use with writings such as Herodotus and writings by Caesar and, uh, and Pliny the Younger. They, 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 they're okay with those uh, documents because they see it as secular and not sacred. So they use the methods uh, that's appropriate for investigation or historical investigation uh, with those uh, manuscripts and they claim these manuscripts passed the mustard, but they, uh, many of them uh, refrain or uh, do not use the same method of investigation when it comes to the Bible because it's so-called religious book. But if we were to use the same verification process, the Bible as an ancient source will pass the mustard and um, would be shown to be true. So if we use, again, if we use the same method of investigation, the Bible as, as a historical document would pass the test. So on the trustworthiness of the scriptures, uh, we can take a look at Clement of Rome, uh, one of the early church fathers. He says, look carefully into the scriptures, which are the true utterances of the Holy Spirit. Observe that nothing of an unjust or counterfeit character is written in them. So he's basically, um, Clement is suggesting that uh, the Bible is true. There's no counterfeit found in them. And Clement, he lived in 140 AD, still uh, early to the date of the disciples. So if we look at AD 90, around AD 90, uh, where John was still alive, it's not too far away from Clement, and Clement can attest to the fact that the Bible is true. Then Irenaeus, uh, one of the great apologists in Christendom, uh, in his book Against Heresies, Irenaeus lived from 175 to 185 A.D. He says, all scripture is given 
to us by God will be found in harmony with ourselves, and the parables will harmonize with the things expressly uttered and the open sayings, and will solve the parables. So he's basically saying if we get in God's word, uh, we will find it harmonious and not contradictory. So we can trust the Bible. So when the Bible affirms certain things in history, then you can affirm it. When the Bible negates certain things uh, in history, then you can negate it. Uh, There are many things that the Bible talks about that the secular world is just now unraveling. The secular world is just catching up, but the Bible has always deemed it to be true. Uh, One of those um, examples is Nineveh. For many years, uh, skeptics claimed that the city of Nineveh did not exist. And then behold, an archaeologist went and dug up the whole uh, city, the ancient city. He dug it up. So again, science and history, secular history, they're just catching up to what the Bible has always claimed. Now look at Tertullian. Tertullian lived in the second century, and um, he was an early apologist. And he said, all doctrine which savors or are contrary to the truth of the churches and of the apostles of Christ and of God must be condemned at once as having its origin in falsehood. So he's saying basically the same thing. The uh, gospels are true. Whatever goes against it is false. So Tertullian, uh, the apologist, also believes in the truth of the scriptures. So what I'm saying is the Bible can also be used as a historical document because while God is telling the story of humanity, to telling the story of salvation, uh, there are also these um, stories, these um, examples, of these categorizations that we can um, utilize as human beings. Uh, there are people that are mentioned on the periphery, um, but even though they are mentioned on the periphery, they existed, and sometimes we even learn some things about their custom, just like the Babylonians, the Assyrians. Um, you find out some things about them, how? Through the Scriptures. Uh, so the Scriptures, the Old Testament, as an example, serves as one of the oldest sources of ancient writings. So when, when the Bible talks about these individuals and talks about what they did and what they believe, you can certainly trust it. We don't have to run away from our Bible as a historical document. Tertullian, again, in his writing against Martian, writes, uh, never mind if there does occur some variations in the order of their narratives, provided that there be agreement in the essential matter of the faith. So Tertullian is touching on the variances of some manuscripts uh, that we have in in our possession today. And this is not the episode to deal with variances, but uh, if you listen to our class on hermeneutics, we do talk about variances. And the thing about variances is, it's normally uh, an issue with grammar. It's normally an issue with uh, punctuations, but it's usually not an issue with content. So we're saying the same things, meaning the manuscripts are saying the same things, but um, there are some typos and, and, and some grammatical things that uh, affect the reading of the manuscripts, but the message is still the same. And manuscripts are copies of the original. So when we talk about Christian manuscripts, that we're, that's what we're talking about. The originals are called the autographs. So uh, many of our forefathers, apologists, 
um, believed that the Bible is not only historical, but it's true. Uh, St. Augustine, in his letter to Jerome, says, I, for I, I confess to your charity that I have learned to yield this respect and honor only to the canon, um, canonical books of Scripture. Of these alone do I most firmly believe that the authors were completely free from error. And that's what we call inerrant. The word inerrant means free from error. And in today's culture, uh, we must believe that as Christians. Uh, There's so many people attacking the legitimacy of our Bible. There's so many people trying to use signs to disprove the Bible, which um, uh, these claims have never been able to stand because the Bible is true. The Bible is authentic. And the Bible um, is historical. So we'll stop right there and uh, continue um, this topic on the next episode uh, with some more information to help embolden you in your faith. Uh, This Bible can certainly be trusted. And remember, it's not a fairy tale. It's not a myth. Uh, This Bible is objectively true. And um, we, we can stand on it as believers. It is true in all its affirmations, and it's true in all its negations, meaning things that the Bible tells us not to do. Um, but all of the things the Bible talks about, the people place, uh, the things that it talks about, you can believe that it's true. Um, city of Sodom and Gomorrah. I have a great friend who's an archaeologist, and um, they've discovered the twin cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And they're actually still digging and unearthing uh, many things that the Bible already uh, affirms. Well, our time has come to a close. We thank you for listening. We thank you so much for everyone's prayer. Um, But we also encourage you to give. If this show is benefiting you, please give. Uh, We need your financial support. You can make checks out to Sound Reasoning Ministries. P.O. Box 582-306, El Grove, California, or go on our website, srministries.org. Remember, to do for the truth what so many people do for a lie. God bless. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy messages has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. And as always, we would like to thank our friends at Life Audio for their partnership with us on this broadcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com... Hello, my name is Adam Comer. And I'm Ryan Chittister. And we're the host of Life After Addiction Podcast. If you or someone you love struggles with addiction, check us out, Life After Addiction Podcast, and you can subscribe at lifeaudio.com.